stands, and we will sing hymn number 625, Tell Me the Old, Old Story. Turn in the Pew Bibles to Colossians chapter 4, which is page 1170. We are coming down to the end of our series uh, on Paul's letter of the Colossians. Uh, last week, this week, and next week, Paul is focusing on what we refer to as mission. Um, today we're looking at verses 4, 5, and 6 here. God's Word. Walk in wisdom toward outsiders making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Please again pray with me. Father, glorify your Son in the preaching of your word. You would dress us in our own speech. And we ask that you would give us understanding. We ask that along with recognition and familiarity, you would give us insight into our calling, into your gifts, into how we live by faith. Do all this, Father, the foolishness of preaching. We pray in your Son's name. Amen. Christians, listen. Evangelism is the business of this congregation. But you are not salesmen. You are the savor of Jesus, the tang, the saltiness. And this establishes your expectations and your responsibilities. Now, believers realize that others need the Lord Jesus, and they realize that, that Jesus is worthy of devotion from anybody and everybody. What do you do with that realization? Your neighbors need Jesus. Jesus ought to have worship from your neighbors. What do you do? And there are all sorts of programs and training, um, many valuable, some wacky, and not, I'm not jumping into all of, of those things. I, I just want us to see that Paul is quite direct. He writes to the Colossians. He addresses all of them together. Walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Christians, listen. Evangelism is the business of this congregation. But you are not salesmen of Christ. You are the savor of Christ, the tang, the saltiness. This establishes your expectations and your responsibilities. You're called to make the most of every opportunity. Evangelism is not some marginal interest. It's not some advanced undertaking for the ninja Christians in the crowd. 
Evangelism is what you do wherever you are on any given day. This is what Paul writes about. And in these short statements, these commands, he answers three questions about your responsibilities and your expectations. One, how do you walk in wisdom towards outsiders? And what do you expect from them when you do? Two, what does it mean to have salty speech? And how do you expect outsiders to react? And three, how can you know how to answer people when they ask questions? And what do you expect to happen in such conversations? These responsibilities, that's what the answer to these questions are. These expectations, that's what Paul wants you to have in mind. Because evangelism is the business of, the con of this congregation. You're the savior of Christ. So before answering these three questions, we do need to see two crucial distinctions. And the first is obvious, but you might not think about it. And the second is rarely really thought about, but it needs to be obvious. So here's the first distinction. There are outsiders and insiders. The distinction is not just between believers and unbelievers. Where do you find faith? Where can you, what? Not just this invisible thing. The binary in Paul's mind is that all human beings are either insiders or outsiders. Either they are part of Christ's church or they are outside the church. And Paul repeatedly speaks this way. This is not a one-off expression. In fact, he brings expression over from the common way of speaking among the Jews previously. All people are either believers or unbelievers, yes, but all people are either insiders or outsiders. And Paul repeatedly speaks this way, and this should, make, this should be your way of thinking as well. This is how you think about people, not just secretly what is inside. And I'm not dismissing that. It's saving faith by which one receives all that Christ gives. But you need to look at the world in terms of inside and outside. That's how Paul approaches. It's not enough if someone professes the name of Jesus, of course. That makes you profoundly hopeful for them. And I know there are people that you hear profess the name of Jesus, you're like, I know you, and I, I, don't, I don't think you're a Christian one bit. You, you might, you, you can't get at hearts. No, you can't. And there are all sorts of people that you know who profess Christ, and you're like, wow. Why aren't you part of the church? That's, that's a question that we have. It's not a common question today. That being an insider or outsider is not the way Christianity's often spoken of in our context. This is how Paul tells you to think of it. Not just believer and unbeliever, but insider and outsider. The question about 
your neighbors and your friends and your family is this. Are they inside or outside? Are they incorporated as part of Christ's church? Do they live in the bonds and the resources of Christ's body? You don't want to go out there and simply change people's opinions. You don't want them just to adopt some basic Christian theological convictions. You want people, Paul wants people, to become a living part of Christ's church. So that's the first distinction we have to take seriously. We are not simply in the world trying to switch the ideas around. You're calling people to Christ, and that means calling people into his church. And yes, I have noticed there are many different churches. I'm not being facetious. I think God knows that too. And there's all sorts of things we could say about confusion. Baptist church, Presbyterian church, independent church, Anglican church. Insider or outsider. There are a lot of things we can talk about about well, why I'm not a Baptist or why I'm not the church. We're not simply looking for how do we get people to say the right words. What you do, the business of evangelism is about people who are outsiders becoming insiders. Maybe not with this congregation. Some congregation. That's the first distinction that we have to have firmly in mind. The second distinction is less commonly noticed, and it requires a glance at the preceding context. Here Paul, just before, the, in, in verses um, 3 and 4, at the same time, Pray also for us that God may open to us a door for the word to declare the mystery of Christ on account of which I am in prison, that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Look at how Paul speaks so differently of himself and the Colossians. Paul's business in verses 3 and 4 is to declare the mystery of Christ. But yours is to speak with graciousness, like a little salt. Just enough, not too much, seasoned. Your responsibility is not the same as Paul's. You individually are not called as heralds of Christ, but you are hearers of Christ. And that makes a profound difference. Your expectations and responsibilities must match that calling. Yes, evangelism is the business of this congregation. But you are not salesmen for Jesus. You are the saver of Christ, that, that saltiness. And this establishes your expectations and responsibilities. So, first question. How do you walk in wisdom towards outsiders? And what do you expect from them? How? What does Paul mean? Walk in wisdom towards outsiders. Wisdom 
is not the mastering of apologetics. Uh, you should learn. You should read. You should want to understand. And that should be useful for your neighbors and friends and the people that you're with. But, but this reference to, to wisdom is not about logic and arguments. Wisdom is your conduct, the way you carry yourself, how you act, how you speak, how you don't react and don't speak. Um, but it's not just being clever, um, you know, thinking strategically. Salesmen think strategically. Another, uh, another way for, another way to refer to speaking strategically is to be manipulative. No. You are called to walk in wisdom. You are called to be the demonstration that Christ is risen from the dead in fact. See, this is your responsibility, to live according to God's wisdom when you're with outsiders. That's what it means to walk in wisdom. In some ways, this is just all ordinary. How to be wholesome in this world. The, 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 larger, uh, the larger conflict in the layer of the Colossians that we've talked about over the last year is that there are these spiritual powers that people are engrossed with. And there are these spiritual powers that people may be, be mindless of that are, are pressing upon them. So that a summary way to speak about sin is to say it is slavery. Willing slavery. Slavery that expects good things at the end of the day. But slavery nonetheless. And Christ has come and brought Chapter 1, verse 9, deliverance, the exodus. That people are actually reconciled to God and returned to God. You, Christian, because Christ is risen by faith in him, you are no longer a slave. You are his image bearer. You are his servant. You receive all his gifts. And so wisdom rules you. Listen, this is Paul beginning of chapter 2. He's talking about his ministry and how he prays for the people there um, in, in Colossae. I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts have been encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Without Christ, you will be a fool. When you realize, Christian, that you have acted foolishly, you have acted without memory, without reliance upon the Lord Jesus. Faith in Christ makes God's wisdom not just yours to know, but yours to walk in. And, and all that means is that you are able to live wisely. And no, not perfectly. The wise man of Proverbs is the, 
is the man who can be corrected. No, you can actually walk wholesomely. You're reconciled to the creator of the world, and so you're able to understand how the world works, how to live by faith, receiving God's gifts and using them reverently. That's what comes by faith in Christ. So what does that mean, walk wisely with outsiders? That means you're going to be in the midst of anything and everything. Um, for many of you, that means that you're going to be around people who they think that taking on debt for indulgence is, is not just a smart idea, but it's like getting away with something. I, I, I can take on debt, and I'll do this. I'm having fun, and I'll pay off later. And, and all sorts of practical people can say, the math doesn't work that well. Um, you, you pay people to tell you how much debt to take on. But you see, Christians made in God's image, reconciled by the Son, you live with industry. You actually rightly think that your work will produce more than you put into it. Because that's what God does with his people. And you no longer have any reason to think that he will curse you. You expect that your work will produce. And, and, and with that, you have thankfulness. You don't just have things. You have things God has given you. And you realize, I can thank God for this. Overextending yourself financially to have some great thing means getting a great thing and that background anxiety about, wait, if we do the numbers right, it's going to work out. It is never that way with your father. And so that industry and that thankfulness also produces generosity. It does. You're thinking about how do I give? How, the Lord has given to me. He's going to give to me. How do I give? And, and that's wisdom. But these are themes, things I've sort of talked about briefly. There are major themes in the book of, of, of Proverbs. Debt. It's all over Proverbs. Not supposed to be. It is. I mean, it's not supposed to because that's rude. We don't talk about that. God does. Thankfulness. Generosity. That's, those are the marks of wisdom. And you're called, your responsibility, in the midst of all those discussions about all the hobbies and interests and the money, you're called to think and to do wisely with matters financial around your, your neighbors, your friends. Now, that will have those awkward moments of, yeah, I can't, don't have the money this week. Ah, oh, put it on your credit card. Yeah, actually, um, there are times when that's really important to have a credit card, but no, I'm not putting it on my credit card because um, let's go to my house. I'll get us a six-pack of great beer, but no, we're not going to do that. Um, like, why would, I, why, why would I overpay with money I don't even have? That's what walking wisdom will, will look like. Uh, we, we, can, we can press it, um, this contrast of the world and its foolishness. Um, oh, this is a great word because I can say it without it meaning anything until we explain it. Lasciviousness. 
Have you heard that word? Lasciviousness. You might read it in the Bible sometimes. It's one of those code words. Um, lasciviousness. That's television after 9 o'clock. Okay? Um, that, is, um, uh, that is what the Me Too movement should have said. It's not power. It's, just, it's, just, it's just this groping, desiring... Um, that stereotypical male foolishness. I, I know sometimes men are polite, but that stereotypical male foolishness. And that's a conversation that a Christian cannot go tit for tat in. Just can't. Because no, that's corrupt. No. No. And so walking in wisdom you're going to speak very differently. You're going to do differently. Um, to be fair, gossip. That is the stereotypical female foolishness. And again, sisters, you can't go tit for tat in that conversation. You, you, you can't. And you, you know what I'm talking about. You know that... that um, I've listened in. <laughs> uh, that sort of entertaining explanation of what you know and what therefore what must be true about people who you're not, you're just talking about people. That's foolish. You see, your responsibility is to live word and deed in godly fashion with outsiders. That's the calling. Walk wisely with outsiders. If you were a salesman, if you were a salesman for Jesus, you would figure out, you know, you, you would come up with a Splenda version of gossip and a Splenda version of lasciviousness. Because, you know, everybody likes that, but we can't do that. We've got to get peace. You're not salesman for Jesus. You are the savior of Christ. You are the demonstration that he really has risen from the dead and people as wicked as you are free and can live in truth and love and fidelity. That's your responsibility to walk wise. What do you expect from outsiders? Well, I've kind of told you. <laughs> Foolishness, lasciviousness, gossip, Greed, the general enslavement to desires, and the devil's deception. That's what you expect from outsiders. You do not have to make them shut up or shape up. You need to think about how to walk with outsiders. Because you're going to be with them. And you got to stop the cringes. you got to stop saying, I just don't belong here. You should expect that you will spend time and energy and money with outsiders. That's normal. You should expect to live back and forth with ungodly people. And yes, parents, that does mean that your children should say to you later, Mom, did you hear what he said? And your child should be shocked because They've never heard you say those things. Or they've heard you say those things and then watched you be deeply distressed. 
your, your child should be able to see those are outsiders. Welcome at our house. That's what outsiders should see. And, and of course, this may lead to conflict. Wisdom does not, it's another theme in the book of Proverbs, wisdom does not stir up needless contention. But if people have a beef with the living God, they will have a beef with his wisdom. And if you walk that way and talk that way, they will likely have a beef with you. This is true. This is not a calling to, like a salesman, make sure we keep, you know, the, let's keep the atmosphere just right. You avoid contention, but you're called to live in a wise way, not in a salesman's way. So, second question. What does it mean to have salty speech? How do you expect outsiders to react? And we need to look at this carefully for a moment because this combination of speech and wisdom, Paul has done. Flip over to chapter uh, 1, right at the end there, verse 28. And you'll see Paul here talking about his ministry. He says, him, that's the Lord Jesus, him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we need to present everyone mature in Christ. That's what the apostle does. That's what the herald does. He teaches and warns with all wisdom. I am telling you the truth. I am telling you what you need to do and what you should expect. I am teaching you and I am warning you. Flip over to chapter 3. We spent a long time with chapter 3 back in, in the winter. Um, this describes the life of Christians together, where the Spirit is poured out on them together. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I'm sorry, chapter 3, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to wisdom. Now, your ESV uses the language of teaching and admonishing. The underlying Greek, Paul's expression, is identical here as in 128. Teach and warn. Teach and admonish with all wisdom. This is what you expect from a herald. And this is what you expect, Christians, from one another. That the word can be spoken. And it will be effective. That teaching and admonishing is normal among us, done with all wisdom. Attention to detail, to the situation. Now, Paul does not tell you to teach outsiders. And he does not tell you to warn or admonish outsiders. He says, think about your speech. Let it be with grace, seasoned as with salt. You are to think about how your words are a display 
of wisdom. Now, let's be very clear. Are there times in conversations where you will teach someone who's an outsider? Yes. Are there times when you will admonish them? Don't do that. You're cutting your own hand off. Or warn them, I'm telling you, this is the truth. God deals with everyone honestly. Expect to, him to treat you the way you've treated him, sir. Oh, yes, there are times. But, but look at how Paul describes basic sort of first bounce evangelism. You don't expect to begin like a herald. You are speaking with your words seasoned with salt. Now, it's interesting that that phrase, to season with salt, was a proverbial way of saying that someone was witty. That was the expression. He's seasoned with salt. His speech is seasoned with salt. It means that he can turn a phrase. He can kind of win your attention. And what Paul is saying is that your speech, well, it's like being seasoned with salt, but it's characterized by graciousness, by that unmerited favor, that generosity. You're responsible to demonstrate in your speech that grace by which Jesus is making your life new. As you speak about things, not teaching them, not admonishing them, but as you talk about your business and your interests and what you're involved in, it should be evident that you are relying on God not to treat you as you deserve, but to be generous to you. It should be evident from the way you speak and do your business that you think there's a whole different way the world works. It's called the kingdom of God. It's one in which sinners find refuge and all good things. That's your responsibility. For your, your speech to be seasoned with salt, you are not to carry a spoon around and give people a spoonful of salt. Now, there are times when you will end up in conversations. We'll talk about that in a second, but you just have to understand this. There, there's the, the, the wind-up doll of evangelism. That model is Billy Graham. That man stands forth and he declares He's a herald. You're a hearer. This is how Paul thinks evangelism gets done by the local congregation. So what do you expect? What are your expectations? Paul's expectation for the outsider and the insider is very different with God's word. That's why the insiders get teaching and admonishing with all, with all wisdom. That's why the outsiders get this taste, this demonstration of wisdom. Your expectation should be this, that people are going to ask you questions. And this is really important. This is very different than our sort of um, make, a, make a sign and go out in the, in, in the uh town square approach that what is happening with you 
is so extraordinary, it is life from the dead, that when people get close and they get the taste of that, they're going to go, what is this? Well, let me take you to two texts to, to, to show you that this is bigger than this one little place in Colossians. You know this one. This is 1 Peter 3. You're probably familiar with this. <clears throat> Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. In a context of persecution, Paul says, because you follow Christ, you should expect people to say, why are you doing this? Your expectation is that living in a wise way will draw others to say, what's happening here? Here's another text. This is Paul, 1 Thessalonians 4. And, and this really, this contrasts with a, a bumper sticker we have, every Christian is a missionary. Look at this. I'm, I'm, the business of evangelism is the business of this, of this local church. But, but listen. Concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. For that indeed is what you are doing to all the brothers throughout Macedonia. But we urge you, brothers, do this more and more. Okay? Your fellowship, your love as Christians, this is wondrous. More and more. Listen to what comes next. And I urge you to aspire to live quietly and to mind your own affairs and to work with your hands as we instructed you so that you may walk properly before outsiders. Paul's strategy is not to send salesmen, but put the savor of the living Christ all over, all over this town. So you're not surprised when Paul says, let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. That's how this works. You, by walking wisely, by thinking to speak truthfully about your own business, your own life, the grace that, that, that goes all through it, you are led to a knowledge. Understand this. This is how you get information so that you can answer other people. The expectation is they're going to ask you. They're not going to ask you to explain the simplicity of God they're not going to ask you to explain how predestination works. They're going to ask you, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? Why aren't you afraid like me? How can you take that? What makes you act like everything's going to be fine? They're going to watch you. And because wholesomeness, really is a mark of life. Wisdom comes from the living God. They're watching this and going, what is that? How does that work? How can... 
and you will know how to answer them. And this is why. You may not have studied the simplicity of God. You may not have studied compatibilism. You may, all sorts of things you might know. But you know why you haven't left your husband. You know it if you haven't. That is to say that you have actually had to hear from God's word, receive instruction and help from other people. And you have a reason why you're doing what you're doing. That the means of grace, worship of God's people, the scriptures, prayer, these things have worked in your life and given you this posture and made your decisions for you. And so the answer to any question about your life is going to be an answer that expresses your faith in the risen Christ. And there are sometimes people ask you a question, you're like, I've got no idea. I didn't know that. You're right. Should have punched that guy straight out. I'm not sure why. No, I do things wrong all the time. It's not just because it was wrong. I've got to think about that. And you might have to go home and think, and then come to your friend and explain, I remember. It's because I, I read this passage about David and Saul. That's what it was. What? Yeah, watch this. Your life lived with wisdom outsiders is a life of faith. And that is how Christ is demonstrated. Evangelism is the business of this congregation. You are not salesmen. You are the savior of Christ. That establishes your responsibilities and your expectations. Pray with me. Father, you said, let there be light, and there was light. You spoke in the same way, and you caused the light of your glory in the face of Jesus to shine in our hearts. Please use your word that way. Among us and for our neighbors, we pray in Jesus. Amen.